the thought-provoking tale of a small town's favorite sun, the potent reflections of inanimate observers, and an anthem for a devoted fan base that built a legacy of its own. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. Folks, welcome to another edition of Themes and Variation. If I sound a little bit more excited on this intro, it's because we are sitting on a massive secret here at Soundfly. We've got a brand new course that we are just about ready to release. I can't let you in on the details just yet, but what I can tell you is you're going to want to experience this course from start to finish as a Grammy award-winning artist, a mega star artist, walks you through their process in songwriting, composition, vocal production, production in general, and much, much more. And as a bonus treat, we have this very special artist, this is a very special guest on this podcast, will likely be the next episode, we'll keep you posted on that. So be on the lookout for a brand new incredible course, which I will share the name and everything about it with you very soon. And stay on the lookout for an episode of Themes and Variation with this very special guest as well. Speaking of very special guests, as always, we have one for this episode of Themes. Joining Mahe and I is an incredibly prolific songwriter and host of the Pitch List podcast, Mr. Chris Lindsay. Chris is a Grammy-nominated songwriter. He's written mega hits for Taylor Swift, The Civil Wars, Adam Lambert, Carrie Underwood, Kenny Chesney, Keith Urban, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Martina McBride, Sarah Evans. I could go on and on and on and on. The guy's list of credentials is absolutely incredible. He also happens to be a really sweet dude with an incredibly deep perspective on music and songwriting, which was perfect for this episode as we're talking about songs that are incredibly clever. We get into all kinds of things on this episode, like it might be damaging to your health to listen to Glory Days for an hour straight, how Jimmy Webb was able to make an entire auditorium weep, and Mejia breaks down arguably the most clever written song of all time. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, Songs That Are Incredibly Clever. Mejia, how are you doing Don't over ask there? It. Nah, you got it. I'm trying to make it a bit. I'm still doing well. Yeah, I know we've talked about it recently. We're quarantining together, so Mm -hmm. it's it's not a natural question to ask me. But I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. How are you? I am fantastic, in particularly because we have an amazing guest on the show today, Mr. Chris Lindsay. Chris, how are you doing? Great. How are y'all doing? We're doing good. Uh, You're you're coming to us from Nashville, (laughs) right? Nashville. Yeah, we're um. We got like a cold, rainy, icy day today. I'm looking out the window, <laughs> hoping we might get some snow and not just ice. But yeah, Nashville, Tennessee. We're in California. And so like any, I mean, we're about to escape to, to Oregon for a little bit escape. too. So we'll get a bunch of bunch of rain and stuff. But growing up in Canada, which I, I have a lot to talk about when it comes to the tune I talk about, so I'll save that. But <laughs> big snow fan. Awesome to hear that you're you're hoping for some snow over in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Guys, we're talking songs that are incredibly clever today. 
I'm out of my element. Chris, you're in a, just a remarkable songwriter. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, you're a fantastic songwriter in your own right. I'm a lowly bass player, so I'm just along for the ride here. I'm going to do my best. But I want to know, were there any songs that either of you considered for this theme? I know, Chris, you had we had another theme in mind when it came to your tune, but yeah. we kind of went with songs that are incredibly clever. Was there any other songs that either of you kind of thought about talking about on today's episode? Yeah, because I think when I chose the Jimmy Webb song, Although it is clever, it's very emotional too. So I was thinking of it along a little bit different, although it does fit in the category. Uh, May, were there any tracks that you can... I mean, that you picked... I mean, (laughs) I picked a song that I've been waiting to bring onto the podcast for a really long time. And it might, you know, split the listeners on how they feel about me, but we'll get to that at the end, (laughs) toward the end of the show there. Um, I did think about Cole Porter quite a bit. um, Being a pianist who you know, songwriting was my rebellion growing up. Cole Porter was like one of my first, like, I'm allowed to study this guy's music and have it be um, okay with my piano teacher. But at the same time, it lets me dig into songwriting. He's really clever. Um, but, but yeah, that was the big one. I know, Carter, you, you were thinking about Oh, some, big time. Um, yeah. I, I just want to, if songwriting is yeah. your rebellion, though, that's a pretty tame rebellion to have and like a good, a good thing to put. I think your we've talked about toward. this before. I, yeah. for music college, I blew off, um, I believe, eight auditions when I realized I didn't want to be a classical pianist and ended up at Berkeley because it's mm. the only audition I showed up for, basically. <laughs> but yeah, so, so to me, it is a rebellion, but a good yeah. one as far as they go. Uh, yeah, you you were alluding to, I I did, I had a Tom Lear uh, track picked, I ejected from it, I just wasn't doing it justice, I really was, this was, <laughs> even yesterday I was doing my research, and uh, he's, he's, he's an enigma of an artist, he's a songwriter who certainly like rejected the idea of being a songwriter for a career, mm. and it just kind of, he's much more a comedy writer, and it would have been such a departure for me, I will do <laughs> one of his tracks, I, I was thinking of doing Poisoning Pigeons in the Park, which was such a... He's just such an incredibly clever. When I think of just yeah. the word to associate with him and his work, it's clever. There's one thing that makes spring complete for me and makes every Sunday a treat for me. All the world seems in tune on a spring afternoon when we're poisoning pigeons in the park. <laughs> Every Sunday you'll see my sweetheart and me as we poison the pigeon. When it came down to it, there's an artist that I've been wanting to talk about since the inception of this podcast, and I finally got a chance to do it. I might be shoehorning the track in a little bit to the theme, but I think I can make a good case for it. So why don't we listen to uh, my selection? We'll dive right in. So folks, we are listening to Hometown Hero from 
Andy Schaff. I, I had a moment just listening to that track. I'm so happy to talk about Andy Schaff. Like, I'm positively giddy. I'm guessing, Chris, had you heard Andy Schaff before any of his music? I had not, but really loved it. Awesome. I loved I listened. That is a record called, what's the record called? Um, uh, Bearer of Bad, bad News. Bad News. Yeah. 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 Bearer of Bad News. Yeah. Really, really, really cool stuff. I like the sound of it. I think it's um, really interesting. Unique. And yes. Original. Very yeah, I, original. I um, have some some records that I'll be inundating you with, I'm sure. After yeah. I'll be extending you all kinds of stuff because he's an artist that uh I, I discovered a, a bandmate of mine like three years ago was like, You're Canadian, like you should be listening to Andy Schaff. He's also <laughs> Canadian. And I I am very much like that ever since I left Canada like a decade ago. It's like my one one of my attachments back home is like, oh, they're like I will champion Canadian artists for sure whenever we get a chance to. Andy and his music, and you mentioned it, Chris, I think that was the exact experience that I had first listening to it, is the uniqueness of it. The first the first track I ever heard was The Magician from his follow-up record to Bear of Bad News, The Party. I want to play you guys just a little bit of the beginning of this track. Bear of Bad News is kind of a precursor to his later works, um, The Party, just in terms of the production. He plays every instrument, I, I believe, on even his most uh, his latest record, Neon Skyline. But mm. Bear of Bad News, he spent two years in his basement in Regina, Saskatchewan, putting this record together, playing everything, playing the woodwinds, wow. playing the clarinet, the drums, the guitar. Uh, I guess he grew up, his parents had a, a music shop a music and electronic shops uh, shop in uh, Bienfe, Saskatchewan, very small town, and he's just surrounded by instruments and and decided to to pick that up. I think that 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 experience of his growing up in a very small town, uh, but being so artistically inclined, shines through in his music. Like kind of being mm. the the odd man out in in a town like that. Um, Chris, wh- where are you from originally? Well, I was born in Las Vegas, Nevada. Live there. My father worked at the uh, Nevada test site. What area fifty? Wow, is what? Wow. So you know uh, things. This is a new podcast now. I have I have a yeah. million more questions um, that you can't ask. <laughs> yeah, no, no I and I don't ask. I don't know anything that anybody yeah. else knows. He worked <laughs> for the. Uh, he worked for the. Uh, they were uh, nuclear bombs. Mm. They set off nuclear bombs. That's what he did. So um, mm. I don't know if people know this, but they they. Uh, they they shot off over 500 nuclear weapons outside of Vegas I in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, Whoa. over 500. Whoa. You can look it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> it used to be called the Nevada Test Site. Yep. And then yep. it was, uh, it's now Nellis Air Force Base and uh, Area 51. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they did all their nuclear testing out there. So when I was five, my parents were from Texas. They moved back. So I grew up in the Dallas area. He was. To cigarette and says, Man, these things will kill me someday. Raises his glass and says, Here's the hope. He's talking about a hometown hero on the song, of course. And I think everybody yep. can, it's one of those themes that 
everybody can picture maybe there is somebody from from your childhood or growing up that you remember like i think that was the hometown hero i have a couple in mind from sherwood park alberta for sure but you yeah, know for you us name names, i'm not no i'm not gonna name names <laughs> andy actually i found an interview he had a person in mind uh from bienfe saskatchewan who was a hockey player of course uh, that would be probably what i would associate with certain hometown heroes where i'm from as well the song isn't about this person, but he had them in mind, certainly, when it came to that. Mm. So uh, very, very interesting to me. I also think Andy is somebody that, you know, he was very young when he wrote the song, I think early 20s. He's able to embody and write for and from the perspective of characters that are much older than him, characters that have lived mm. uh, a much more full life. The song Wendell Welker from this same record is incredible. It's very dark and very somber, and very long. Wendell Walker was a friend of mine We'd stain our teeth in the summertime Chris, a question on that front. Just Was there ever a perspective that you had to write for as a songwriter that you found, this is going to be way too difficult, but you actually kind of <laughs> came around to it being like, you know what, I actually do have the hang of, of, of this, like writing from a totally different perspective. So for, I don't know, for whatever reason, I started having hits with a lot of female artists. I spent so much time with female writers. I'm not going to say you can understand women because you really can't. <laughs> you can't. I would spend, you know, years in rooms with women and mm-hmm. often in songwriting, you spend the first hour just talking, you know, yeah. and just life or whatever's happening. People in songwriting share with strangers mm-hmm. and that helped me write from a pe- female perspective, um, hmm. which was difficult in the beginning, just being a big hairy ape, you know. <laughs> not I feel like that would that. make you an excellent father to daughters. I hope so. I have a daughter, and <laughs> oh, perfect. Knockwood, we're doing okay. <laughs> we're doing okay. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I as far as the the cleverness of this tune, because I find so many times when I'm we're doing this podcast, I stray from the theme, and it's just like right. I'm out, I'm out in the atmosphere, and then I eventually <laughs> get called back in, and like I gotta, I gotta attach this you theme. Prove so your point. the one line, if I was to to boil it down, if I had to pick one line, it would be the hometown hero flexing his arm with a five yard pass to the end of the bar. And just how that one one simple line totally encapsulates the to me the image of a hometown hero. They're not in the hockey rink anymore. They're not in the football field anymore. They're in a bar in front of their friends that they've had for years, still showing their skills, reliving those old highlights. But they're throwing the pass to nobody, right? Just in the bar. Hometown hero flexing his home with a five yard pass to the end of the bar. He says I'll be right back. I'm just gonna go grab another pack. The line that he kind of shapes and shifts and puts in two different contexts is that uh, man, these things will kill me someday. Talking about cigarettes, mm. as he lights yeah. up a cigarette, uh, exhale smoke, or uh, before he says, um, raises glass and says, "Here's to hoping." Well, it's also very dark humor. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, right. It's like. You know, smoking can kill you. You know, a man can dream. It's like he, <laughs> he's not. He, this character is is not happy, right? Yeah. He's 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 what his glory days happened in high school, mm-hmm. and it's just all been downhill since. And I think that sort of darkness is what this guy Andy does great. This guy that just wishes he was dead, yeah. and then walks into uh, foiling a robbery. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Yeah, I think I think you're right. I, for this guy, I don't know him, but <laughs> I think I think it's cool that he's kind of out there on his own. It's probably like he he is very 100% unique. I think yeah. that's really great. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a whole little world he creates even with his voice, man. His voice is very haunting. Yeah. yeah. You know, he creates a 100% original world, which I love. <laughs> He's able to just in arrangement and instrumentation create the absolute perfect bed for his voice. Like he knows this is the exact kind of bass tone that's going to work mm. for me. This is the exact, like the drums are so uh, dry and warm. Like the snare is just a perfect pillowy snare. And, and and the bass really locks in with the kick beautifully like that. You're enveloped in this this warmth throughout the entire track. And I know that word gets used way too much in describing music, <laughs> but I think that that's absolutely the case here with Andy. Hey, Carter, have you heard about Soundfly's new subscription? Let's say I haven't. I think it's something you'd be super into. You know about Soundfly's courses, right? Of course I do. Not only are they highly engaging, they make it possible for us to do this show. Right. And you know about the premium courses, right? You mean like modern pop vocal production or orchestration for strings? Yep. Or faders up one, modern mix techniques, introduction to making music in Logic Pro, or advanced synths and patch design for producers. Or songwriting for producers? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, as a Soundfly subscriber, you'd get access to all of those and more. Plus, an invitation to our online community of students, mentors, and Soundfly team members, like you and me. A subscription's perfect if you want to explore at your own pace, but still like the idea of a helpful community of expert professionals and passionate hobbyists standing by, ready to help. Wow, when you put it like that, it sounds like an existential conundrum for me personally, and a pretty sweet deal for just about anyone else. It is a sweet deal for just about anyone, and it gets even sweeter. Anyone listening to this episode can use the code THEMES to get an exclusive discount at soundfly.com. Because at Soundfly, we want to help you reach your musical goals. I think the other, just a simple, small thing, and this is my last point on the track, but a very small one. The way, I mean, this is this is not new, this is very common, but... <laughs> particularly when he it's just him playing a song with on guitar he has a very uh grating way of strumming where where the, the actual strumming in his fingernails is very prominent and pronounced which again is is pre- not unique to Andy but i think he does use that in a way the way he mics it the way he performs the guitar creates almost a more visceral listening experience <laughs> And they slept Because we're talking hometown heroes, I was uh, reminded, of course, by uh, Springsteen's glory days <laughs> when we're, you know, yeah. distra- obviously um, maybe the the ultimate hometown hero track. I remembered uh, so I was in when I was in the Maria's. This is like three, four years ago. Uh, we did a show in San Francisco. And I was going to drive back like one in the morning back to L.A. It's like a five or six hour drive. And my bandmate, Eddie, was like, I'll go with you. I'll co-pilot with you because you shouldn't drive like that on your own. 
on the condition that we listen to Glory Days for the entire drive. <laughs> and we made it we made it one hour into the drive listening to Glory Days before I was like, bro, I cannot listen to this song anymore. <laughs> That's unhealthy. Don't do it that. It is. It is. It is. It absolutely is. Too much of a good thing. Definitely. That, that might make you crazy. Sorry. Sorry, Mahay. I jumped in. No, no, no. It's good. I'm glad you did because that, that needed to be said for yeah. Carter's health. Yep. Um, yeah, my only thought on this is that I would really at some point like to hear Andy Schaff and Margaret Glassby collaborate. Yeah. Because yeah. they both have that interesting pronunciation that I, I don't know where it comes I, from. I and agree. I want to hear them there, together. There's some weird words. And I thought... Yeah. Well, I, when I first heard it, I thought, I think this, well, first of all, his, his voice, I thought he might be a girl. And then I realized, mm-hmm. well, it's Andy. Right, it's high. Yep. And yeah. I looked, yeah. very high voice. Then I thought, okay, maybe Canadian. Right? Yes. Yeah, but then there's it. some pronunciation that's even not Canadian in there. Right. I agree. And I agree they're the only you. two artists I know who, like, they sound... Like yeah. they're from the same small town someone made up and it's only the two of them and I don't know if they know each other. But if that collaboration happens, somebody needs to tell me quickly. Uh, That's sign all. me up. <laughs> if these old walls If these old walls could speak The things that they remember well Parties and people raising hell A couple in love living week to week Rooms full of laughter If these old walls could speak So Chris, yeah, what are we listening to, my man? Okay, well, this is Jimmy Webb, and this is a record he made. Now, this song like all Jimmy Webb songs, uh, was recorded by multiple artists. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Webb is a huge writer in the 60s and 70s. I'm not not bringing somebody here to the table that's not a known person or anything. Jimmy Webb's been around forever. Mm -hmm. I think he's my favorite writer of all time. And this is one of the songs, first of all, the emotional power of what he does, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And his version, although he's not as good a singer as some of the people who had giant hits on his songs, there's something so powerful about his version. In this particular Mm -hmm. song, you get the personification of the walls, right? But what's clever about it is showing you that perspective gives you the passage of time. And it shows you the fleeting nature of life. Because when you look at it from the building, like a building in France that's been there since 1200, all the families that were raised in this one Mm. apartment, it sort of gives you this sort of continuity and just horrible sadness of how short life can be, even a long life. And, And I think it's just a great device to explore that through concrete images that you can understand, like there was a couple that did this, the one that fought the parties, the the kids, Mm -hmm. everything. But my favorite thing is he goes two verses doing this trick of personifying the walls in order to sort of give you a life. Then he completely goes 180 degrees and he says, they would tell you that I'm sorry. They 
Then I have a little bit of a stubborn streak Yes, I do, darling If these walls could speak He's gone from talking about the walls, right? All of a sudden he goes, ring! This is what they would say. I'm an asshole and I screwed up our relationship and I've yeah. always regretted it. It's a 180 from a song about walls. Yeah. All of a sudden, right in the middle, he's like, God, I broke your heart and I'm, I hate it. The way that it was written, I had my, uh, just as a listener, I was invited to, to literally think about all the places that I'd lived in, really. Right. I was like That's thinking about thing. my life and that. And I wasn't thinking about loss so much. And, and then, of course, that does hit. But the way that it was written, I was like, yeah, just so much nostalgia. I love songs that do that. They make you feel so good. You can think of, you know, even though this is does have a, a dark part to it, uh, it does make you feel good and warm and stuff. Yeah, and, it does. And, uh, yeah. You know, like with our students at Soundfly, especially the songwriting ones, one thing we talk about is if you feel like you're writing more or less the same song over and over again because you're dealing with whatever situation you can't stop writing about, it can be helpful to try to write from a perspective other than the obvious first person. Like, what would happen if you wrote about this argument from the perspective of the person you're fighting with? How do you look from that angle? That's great. I idea. never thought about doing it with walls. <laughs> and I yeah. love that because, yeah. yeah, I mean, I have nothing to say, but I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I know this song's a little bit old fashioned and the sound of it for, for, for your listeners to the po- I mean, I get it. It doesn't have a huge cool factor. But at the same time, I think the lyrics are, and really, if anybody's, whoever's experiencing your podcast, mm-hmm. do yourself a favor and dig into this. It's called 10 Easy Pieces. Jimmy yep. Webb, mm-hmm. great songwriter that did his own record. Now, he's done several records, but I think that's the best one. And uh, man, there's just something about it. It just, it just, it's like a knife in my heart when he says, I, they would tell you that I'm the way he sings it. They would tell you that I'm sorry. Just that one. It's just yeah. like, whoa. I don't know. I'm, I don't even really know why. I, I, as far as like the cool fact, I think it's a very cool tune. Any song that has uh, like pedal steel or any kind of slide guitar on it, I, I'm 100% in. <laughs> it's so good. The the swells, the way it's mixed is, is very much in the back. It's like maybe mm-hmm. panned a little bit far too, but it's just so awesome. And like, I, I'm always down with some pedal steel. It's, I'm just so, so down. I don't know who played uh, keys on this track. I, I don't yeah. know Chris, if, you, if you happen to know. He really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, he plays God, the shit then, like piano. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> one year, I think it's probably been five years now, maybe six. The ASCAP Awards one year were at the Ryman downtown. It's not big. It's about 2,500 seats. It's the 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 place. It's like been yeah. there since <laughs> they did the original Grand Old Opry there. They had the ASCAP Awards there one time and we were really close up to the stage and Jimmy Webb was the musical guest and he did like three of his biggest songs in a medley where he played piano and sang. And I'm telling you (laughs) that place had 2000 songwriters in there and a thousand of them were grown men and they were crying. The whole place was just weeping because he was so good. I remember because Amy was just like holding me, my wife, because I, I love him. And I was like trying not to embarrass myself. I was crying so hard. <laughs> and I looked over my left shoulder and Keith Urban was like right, like five people down. Yeah. And he just had his hand on his face. He was crying because I know Keith loves Jimmy too. Um, yeah. And, and I was like, well, I don't feel so bad now. If these old walls could 
we could have listened to Wichita Lineman. Yeah, I was which, just going to say, isn't that which also is, Jimmy Webb? Yeah, that's Jimmy Webb, and that's probably his best song, and that's probably... Yeah. I thought it might be cool to just do one people don't know. Wichita mm-hmm. Lineman is, could be argued the greatest country song of all time. I am a lineman for the county And I drive the main roads Searching in the sun for another all of his writing has a melancholy, a beautiful yeah. melancholy to it. You know, there is sort of the the beauty and the sadness, the yin yang, mm. the sort of, you know, all the beauty and magic of life and all the tragedy all rolled up into one. I think I've, I don't have any more notes. I was looking at my notes of <laughs> specific things about the song. The, my thing is that when he says they would tell you that I'm sorry, I don't know what it is. It's just like that hits yep. me so mm. hard. I have kind of a general question. Like you're saying, Chris, other people have performed Jimmy Webb's music. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, arguably with like stronger voices and that sort of thing. Yes, for sure. Um, but, but again, like you're saying, he is one of those artists who when you hear his version, it just kind of strikes a chord a little bit more deeply maybe than other things. What do you think it is that makes it so that when you hear a songwriter perform their own material versus an artist perform a songwriter's material, is it a vulnerability? Is it a deeper connection? What is that there? I don't know, but I think you hit it. It is deeper. And I I can tell you this. They do a thing here in Nashville. It's called a writer's night. Now, And Mm -hmm. they don't do them as much in other cities, but it's a big thing here. So... Any night of the week in Nashville, you can go out and see a round of like three or four songwriters. Some of them will have big hits and they'll mm-hmm. sing their hits, right? And anyone who has never had that experience that has that experience, they will tell you that. They're like, oh my God, they don't sing nearly as well as the person who did it, but it's mm-hmm. way better. With the songwriter version where it's somebody singing their own material, I sometimes wonder if it's a little bit like, Like when you go to a modern art museum and you see a piece and don't understand it, and then you read the little placard and you're like, oh, all of a sudden, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) Maybe so. Maybe that's it. Maybe so. I I would encourage anybody listening, if you visit Nashville or anywhere where they do this, go to a writer's night. That's great. They have them all over town. You can't miss them. They're in every bar in town. And there'll be three or four, usually four, they call in the round They'll be, yep. you know, around like this and they'll just trade songs and you'll hear songs that haven't been recorded and you'll hear, hear songs that have. And usually they're very funny. The people, mm-hmm. you know, the writers are funny yeah. and, the, and the, and you'll go from laughing really hard to have shit floor you. Do you ever play at those yes. yourself? I used to do them and more. What's your go-to song when you do those? Do you have, or do you change every time? I do a few that, that were big hits that I always do. I always play a song I wrote this about 20 years old called Amazed. Mm-hmm. It's Lone Star. It's a big love song. Yep. Um, I wrote a song for Martina McBride called This One's for the Girls. Yep. Oh. And that's yep. kind of funny wow. to have a guy sing <laughs> that. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> and then I did a song for Tim and Faith, Tim McGraw Faith Hill called yep. Let's Make Love. I mm-hmm. sometimes do that one. And then I wrote a song with a band called The Civil Wars, who were never really yeah. huge. Uh, I mean... I know them out here in California. Yeah, I wrote a song with <laughs> them the uh, called. Uh, I wrote a song with them called "Poison and Wine," and I'll do that mm. live too sometimes. Oh, that must be great. 
Yeah. Well, if the pandemic lets up and we find ourselves in Nashville, hopefully we'll get to hear you play your material. That sounds amazing. Somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with her finger and her thumb in the shape of an L on her forehead. Well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running. Didn't make sense not to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see. For anybody that hasn't heard this track, which is probably 0% of the listeners, what are we listening to? We are listening to Smash Mouth. It's a hit 1999 song. 1999 is hard to say. Um, All Star. <laughs> hit almost like doesn't feel appropriate. Like it's not enough of a like it's I like. I know it's not a big enough word. Man, it's one of those songs. Yeah, it's well, we were talking about it before we started and you said you were worried about adding it from a songwriter's point of view. I'm just one guy. Yeah. But let me tell you something. Writing a fun song like that is way harder than writing sad way harder Mm -hmm. that that's like a perfect little pop song and the lyrics are clever as hell they really are yeah visual everything shout out greg camp yeah would it blow your mind to know that this song and another hit were written in a couple days after the label interscope told them that their album lacked a viable single (laughs) greg camp went off and he wrote two of their most major hits that blows my mind (laughs) yeah yeah john lennon he was pretty famous for laying around and watching TV. And then a week before the session would write all those songs. That's so like a song like Imagine, he may have written it in an hour, right? Yeah. And then he recorded it in 45 minutes. So he has two hours into that song total. When the rest That's of the world so has probably heard it 10,000 hours. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not in any of these leagues of these songs, but as a working songwriter, I've seen great songs get written 15 minutes. Sometimes yeah, they just amazing. blow out, you know, and what you want to do in that situation, just turn on the tape recorders, you know, mm-hmm. and just go. This song, I very unironically think is one of the greatest songs ever written. Yep. I say unironically because I think some of its legacy is a little bit of an ironic one. Um, Carter, how do you feel about this song in general? What do you think its legacy is? I, I mean, I love it. I 99, you know, I was in sixth grade or something like I had this record. Yeah. Um, fortunately, you know, later on in my life, got to know Greg a little bit and uh, and work with him for a smidgen of time. He's the sweetest dude ever. He's the humblest dude ever. I, I've told like the, dude, the, just the writing is unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's very much a 90s song. The video is very 90s so that we look <laughs> we look back at on a different lens there as well. But like the writing is like it is absolutely remarkable. I mean, I want to talk about this song in my personal life, but on the show in particular, I've wanted to for a while. Yep. So I had to organize my thoughts. So um, I basically have a few different points that I would like to use to explain what I find most clever about this song, because it's not just the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I won't get too deep into this, because actually on the podcast Switched on Pop, they recently did an episode on this song and they got into some of that and did a really good job with it. Yep. 
But anyway, the fact that it was written for an album that seemed to be lacking a single is interesting to me. Like to feel that you have a finished product and then this is one of the things you add. It stayed true to the artist in spite of the fact that this is a little bit of a depart, not a little bit, it's a big departure from their first record, which had more of a ska sound. Like Might As Well Be Walking on the Sun was their first hit and it mm-hmm. sound- it's got that boss of vibe almost. It's grittier. Like, it's, it's a sick song. Like that, mm-hmm. like, yeah. So don't delay, act now, supplies are running out, allow if you're still alive, six to eight years to arrive, and if you follow them, maybe be out tomorrow, but if the office shine, you might as well be walking on the sun. This is a song that understood its audience, and it understood its intentions. They were looking to write an anthem for their fans. Mm -hmm. And they'd receive fan mail from these people who felt like outcasts in the world, but really identified with Smash Mouth. You know, it seems like just this upbeat, like, sports arena type song, because that's how we're used to hearing it. But when you get into it, it's really cynical Mm -hmm. at times. It's not purely uh, everything's great. No. It doesn't shy away from the fact that some things suck. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It actually addresses global warming, like, yeah. but it's just the turns of phrases too. Like the, we could all use a little change. The way that, like, I, I'm I'm at a lot. It's one of those like I'm at. A, we're talking about lyrics, and like I'm totally at a loss for words when I'm talking about the song. The word change, everything about that. Not only the wordplay there, but the harmony is different when that word comes yep. in. Yep. They do a similar thing when they talk about um, only shooting stars break the mold. Um, I'm getting, I'm jumping way ahead to super geeky things now, but <laughs> you get a borrowed chord there on break the mold. Oh, that's right. That's subtle, but like, even if you don't know what's going on there because you're not a super geeky musician, you hear those things because it's something you're not used to hearing, you know? Yeah. On the, on the end of the chorus, it goes down to the flat seven. So like not, oh, not something seven. people yeah. haven't heard. It, it is yeah, a yeah. And it sits there. Yeah. Yeah. I also remember though, that like when I was looking back, it was like, what's actually going on in the chorus? Like, I was like, man, that's way hipper than I remember it being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of my favorite lines in this song and the line that I chose to read too much into because it was fun for me is the line, or I guess the couplet, all that glitters is gold, only shooting stars break the mold. Mm-hmm. One of the things about the show and one of the things about music and art in general is that you can find something that speaks to you that maybe wasn't supposed to. Um, I realized as I was prepping for the show, I didn't actually know what a shooting star actually is. <laughs> and I felt like maybe elementary school had failed me. But yeah, so a shooting star, I learned, you guys probably already know this, so sorry. It's actually a tiny speck of space debris that's yeah. burning up as it enters Earth's atmosphere. It's a meteorite. Yeah, exactly. It's like a part of a comet or meteorite yeah. or so. Yeah. But like, I knew the word yeah. meteorite. <laughs> I, I obviously yeah. knew she would start. No, I understand. Yeah. 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 And we, I don't know if that's something it. they thought about. <laughs> that line becomes more interesting when you think about that, whether or not that, there, that was their intention. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of something breaking the mold by entering an atmosphere it had not previously been a part of, but burning up while it's doing so. Yeah. 
it just adds to that like slightly like this is a beat but there's something cynical about it too we gotta reach out to greg to get a definitive answer on this i think yeah. I, I like it a lot I'm just, i want to know exactly what the deal is here i don't know that there has to be definitive answers when it comes to just appreciating and experiencing music but i do want to know That's what true. he would say yeah. it might also be that it rhymes with gold <laughs> totally absolutely but even if he didn't mean that that's the yeah. alchemy of it yes because yeah. you start rhyming things all of a sudden mm-hmm. things happen that you didn't even intend to happen right and there's yeah. layers that feed into layers. things even yep. more like yep. so the chorus sounds upbeat and it just sounds like a cheer and i think that's what he was going for in that section of the song but there's something about saying like hey you're a this <laughs> go mm-hmm. do this mm-hmm. that isn't actually that positive um I, I'm I'm I've just pulled up the lyrics here because I make I want to make sure I don't that I don't do this wrong. I take them at face value. I think I think it is like a positive message. I'm trying to make sure I'm not wrong about that. I I mean I don't think you are. I think it is supposed to be positive. But there's something interesting to me about lyrics that are maybe nuanced enough that depending on where the listener is in their day and their mm-hmm. life, it can speak to them in this totally other way. Right. That, Probably wasn't the intent. Yeah. And there's a killer Bob Dylan interview where a guy from BBC is trying to interview Bob Dylan in his trailer. And Bob's, he's doing a caricature of the interviewer and sort of talking to him. (laughs) It's on YouTube. You can find it. He talks about just what you said. Like he writes a song. It has some meaning for him. Sometimes, sometimes not. He just likes it. And then when it gets out there, it's up to everyone else to decide what it means. Right. And it's different for everyone. Yep. Yeah. Mahe, you, uh, before we taped, you're like, even the tempo is clever about the song. So and I've been, you want me to explain what yeah, that means? Yeah, I needed to know. I need to know. So in, in two ways to me, and one of them's real and one of them is something I'm probably made up because, again, I've thought about this song since it came out when I was in elementary school and it has stayed with me ever since, mm-hmm. unironically. So the tempo of the song is 104. 104 is a nice tempo because it's upbeat without being frantic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like the top of what a down tempo artist might do tempo wise, but it's the bottom of what an anthemic type song would be. Mm-hmm. That's 104. Yeah, see, it's comfortable. Do you know tempos in pop music and classical um, mirror the human heart? So a, a a slow a slow tempo song will be sixty eight seventy, and that's yep. a calm heartbeat. That's a resting yep. heartbeat. Resting, yep. yep. One twenty right. is an elevated heart rate, and it it matches exactly the range of the human heart. One hundred four is beginning to be animated. Perhaps the most famous song with a tempo of one hundred four is "Staying Alive." Uh, which is also the song people are taught to use as a reference when giving CPR. Wow. And there's something where I'm like, I, I highly doubt that crossed anyone's mind. No. But there's something about All Star that has messaging that's a little close to staying alive yeah. in places, yeah. you know? <laughs> I used to write with a guy named Ryan Tedder, who has a band called One Republic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. He did a big study on tempos, right? He's the one who told me the heartbeat mm. thing. Um, yeah. You've identified a thing, is what I'm going to tell you. There are tempos. <laughs> there are exact tempos like 104. I think 97 is one of them. There are probably 50 pop hit records on 104. And I think writers, yeah. I think you do it instinctually. Because mm, you're used to hearing them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You just, it just feels good. 
The last thing I want to make sure I talk about here is that this song does something that I always admire. Just the ability to use, you know, common expressions, but kind of flip them on their head so that there's a sense of familiarity. Mm-hmm. But you're able to bring something original to that. Um, all that glitters is gold. Supposedly that goes back to the 12th or 13th century. Right. Shakespeare used a version, Chaucer used a version, and Greg Camp used it for yeah, All Star. Yeah. Another thing about All Star is that it's just an infectious beat mm-hmm. and melody and the way the, yep. the chorus starts to rap a little bit. I think it's just yeah. complete mm-hmm. ear candy too, you know, totally. and, the words, and that's why it's so big. So you, you can't got help but sing lyrics, along. Yeah. Great lyrics. Yeah. And a great, great. You've got both. In that. Stars break the uh, Chris, you, uh, I mean, in addition to being a prolific and remarkable songwriter, you also are an incredible host of your own podcast, yes. The Pitch List. Can you share for our listeners just a little bit about the pod, uh, what to expect? I know you're in your third season now. I'm loving it. It feels very much like you're bringing the conversations that you've had for years in writers' rooms with mm-hmm. other musicians and other songwriters for all of us to actually listen to and learn yeah. from and be inspired by. So, uh, yeah, just what what can our listeners expect from the future of the pitch list? Just anything you want to want to share with them? Well, first of all, um, you are exactly right. You have Yay. nailed it. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Um, it's really, songwriters typically pre-pandemic would meet in a room at 11 mm. o'clock, get some coffee and talk for an hour. And it may be personal things or... Mm. And it's always, you know, they're pretty interesting people and interesting conversations. I tried to make the podcast that I could have found when I moved to town, like mm. that would have been help. That's sort of my guidepost is like, mm. are we doing something on this episode that the, the person who just came to town is going to go, oh, that I'm so glad I listened to this. I mean, that's yeah. like, I try to give or get our guests to give practical, real life, like, pointers and tips. I mean, there's so much misinformation mm-hmm. in the songwriting universe mm-hmm. about how it works, how to do it, what, you know, what to do. Do you demo? Do you not? Demo? I mean, just all the things and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. try to give a, an insider look at it. That's practical. It's a little less of a formal interview because I know a lot of these people, Yeah, but we're getting in the new season where we're doing, I did an interview with Cam, the country, female country artist, and I did not know her. Um, Emily Wise Band is a Nashville writer that's on our mm-hmm. new season. Mm-hmm. Bill Anderson, we started the season with, who's been uh, a country legend for decades. And uh, I knew him a little bit and loved talking to him. Um, Ashley Gorley, I just finished an episode with him. Ashley's yeah. going to end up being the most successful songwriter in the history of country music. He might already be. He might already be at this point. Yeah. He's had more number ones than any songwriter out of any genre. He's at wow. 50, he's at fifty number one records as <laughs> a writer. That's incredible. And I think God. he might be forty. Maybe. Oh my God, that's crazy, man. Or he yeah. looks young. He he could <laughs> he's be got over time 40, to, he's, to, to it's destroy crazy. that market. It's um, amazing. But so what we try to do is talk about songwriting, the business, mm-hmm. uh, how we do it, what we do. Sometimes it have we have very intensely personal talks. Sometimes we. Uh, you know, I try not to wander. And we, like you guys, we do edit the yep. podcast. Um, but uh, people seem to enjoy it. And if it's for anyone who likes songwriting, likes mm-hmm. songwriters, has an interest in that, maybe wants to try it themselves, 
or are, are doing it. Anyone like that, I think, would get something out of it. And that's going to do it for another episode of Themes and Variation. Thank you so much for listening. We want to know the songs that you find are incredibly clever. So as always, there is a link to a Spotify community playlist in our show notes. Feel free to add your selections there. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for themes for a show, drop us a line at podcast at soundfly.com. And remember to check out soundfly.com for all of your music learning needs. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme.